0: Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. This is your Sunday night, Monday morning rivalry show where we talk both teams, a Little Sox, a Little Yanks, catch up with both teams and what they've been doing this offseason. Not a ton since the last time we spoke. However, it's Bleacher Brawls. We still have plenty to talk about Uh, before we get into the Sox, the Yanks um this crew's opinion on the hall of fame voting this week and what's going on in the baseball world at large we're going to start as we always do in the segment that we call first pitch checking out these guys see how they are doing joey i will start with you taylor swift is going to the super bowl are you excited
1: what is it the uh, please save us lamar jackson that yeah that 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 didn't work today (laughs) I think the NFL is getting what they wanted with the Taylor Swift stuff. I'm sure other more hardcore NFL fans will go further into that. But I, I thought I thought them going to the Super Bowl was was inevitable. I've had a great weekend. My mother came to visit. You know, she helped me clean up a little bit. She made me get a haircut. She did not convince me to go get a facial. I, I, I did. I did not. I did not go that far. But I, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling rejuvenated. I'm feeling good. I ate a lot. And. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super happy about the Hall of Fame stuff. You know, there's a lot. There was some talk this weekend from different people about like the ref, like reforming the Hall of Fame, like it like it needs a restructuring committee, like how the Yankees have a restruct. Like the the Yankees brought in like an outside firm to restructure it. Like the Hall of Fame needs that too, because there's just some stuff that just doesn't make sense anymore with the Hall of Fame. But other than that, I'm feeling fantastic. The weather in DC is vastly improving, and who knows? Maybe I'll do a show in a bathing suit one of these days when uh, you know when the weather's really hot.
0: Joey teasing our uh, Hall of Fame topic um, later on in the show and uh, and teasing something that I guess is just for John and I. I I don't know. Uh, John, what's up with you?
2: Well, Pat, I'm uh, Joey. It's good to be talking to you guys. Uh, Football season's ending, like we were talking about a minute ago. Uh, I'm a... I don't hate the Chiefs. Like, I I don't really care about Brittany Mahomes. I know she really rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Like, I'm just pretty much indifferent to her. The Taylor Swift stuff's annoying as all heck. And I was actually wondering, do you guys think they went – because, you know, no matter who wins this game right now between the Niners and the Lions – oh, which is tied, going into the fourth quarter. Oh, man. um, who? No matter who wins, I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Does Travis Kelsey propose to Taylor Swift in the post-game celebration? What do you guys think?
3: I feel like um, whatever it is, she
0: has to be in on it. There's no surprising Taylor Swift. There's no surprising Taylor Swift on, uh, on a national, international stage in front of everyone. Um, I feel like she's got to know so if it does happen there's
3: no, there's no surprises here There's there's no Kelsey going rogue that's that's a a thing that she was in on If they get
1: married I mean that's going to be one of the most highly publicized divorce trials we've ever seen in America I mean there'll be 24 hour coverage on that I mean few relationships where I the woman marrying the NFL star has a lot more money than he does so that will be interesting. Other than the marriage, I mean, the marriage I don't care about. They're, they're Hollywood, well, she's a Hollywood person. None of their marriages last. They go five years, ten years maximum. So there'll be a divorce, and that'll be you know fun to watch in public. Maybe she'll write a good album for all the uh, future teenage girls out there. If that happens, it's going to be gross, and it's going to make me want to puke. Uh, Can
0: you imagine? You make a good point, Joy. Can you imagine having Travis Kelsey money and being the broke one?
1: And it's not close. I mean it's just not, <laughs> like not even close. Yeah.
0: You're you're yeah, you're penniless.
1: <laughs> you're running around doing ads for like soaps and stuff. <laughs> well, so here's the other thing. If if Taylor's in on it, what if the Chiefs lose? Do does he not propose?
2: I think the I, I think the Chiefs are winning pretty much one way or another. Uh so Especially if the NFL is in on it, then the NFL is going to make sure, like, oh, you're going to propose to Taylor Swift in the post game. All right, we'll make sure you win this game. Like, it can all be a gigantic fix. But I will say this. I just thought of it. Travis Kelsey would be a pretty awesome stay-at-home dad to have, right? Like, yeah, Taylor Swift's out on the road. Like, when she's home, she's probably very demanding and everything's really buttoned down. And when it's, she's off on the road doing tours, like, Travis Kelsey would just be the most awesome. Um, stay-at-home dad ever, and then having his brother running around shirtless, like Uncle Jason coming over, like those kids would have a, have it made.
0: I've got uh, two parts to my first pitch before we start the show tonight. Uh, first is, uh, yes, uh, my local uh, Baltimore Ravens uh, did not go as well as it, we wanted it to for them today. Um, went out with some friends. Watch the game. And, uh, I, I gotta say, it, when you're out watching a game like this, and, you know, this is a big deal for this city, and we're at a a brewery that is really packed, and, uh, and it becomes increasingly clear that the team is going to lose. (laughs) The energy that it just, just sucks out of that room, um, is, uh, is tremendous. And then, uh, You start looking around, and I I, I don't know what my point is here. I think I just, uh, it was a sad afternoon here. Um, The second part of my first pitch
3: is it's time for me to call somebody out. I'm tired of Luke pretending
0: like he invented being upset with the Red Sox for not doing anything. Okay? This is something that we have all grappled with for you know going on four years now i think uh many of us and you know we've had our ups and our downs right some real highs in the high bloom era oh Schwarber's a first baseman now he's a genius right some real lows trading for jackie bradley jr five minutes before the lockout a couple years ago and then <laughs> staring at the staring at that for three months right um We've had some highs and some lows. It's been hard to justify sometimes, you know, Heimbloom's secret plan, but we've done our best to, to to do this. However, now that Bloom is gone, Craig Breslow's taken over, and nothing has changed, I realize, and many others realize, that, that we've been duped. We thought that Breslow uh, was supposed to come in and, and change things, and he has not. We've learned that the person in that job has considerably less power than we thought that they had. And at the end of the day, ownership's going to make final decisions. And they have decided that the money that they make, if the team is good, is not worth the money that they spend to make the team good. And I think a lot of us have, have kind of fallen into uh, – you know, despair to a certain degree. I've talked a little bit about, you know, this has been a sad, sad offseason on Red Sox Twitter. Luke, meanwhile, has has d- done this woe is me routine over the past couple of weeks that's gotten really old where he sort of invented the idea that uh, um, we should be upset. And he's sort of invented the idea that these billionaires who own this team are terrible, greedy people. And he can't believe that the team isn't doing anything um, when they should be doing things because they should be competitive. He's been trying to, you know, he's been trying to rile us up on TikTok. He's been trying to rile us up on the podcast. I'm not going to let him rile me up, but I am going to say this.
3: Luke. I am challenging you to a brawl. Be here next Sunday night. Bring
0: Derek with you. John will be here. He can mediate between between uh, all four of us. Oh yeah, that's right, Joey. You're you're involved here, and we need to hash this out. We need to hash out when are the Red Sox going to be good. How can we be realistic about them being good again
3: one day? And how can we grapple with this as fans? That's what I've got. Vince McMahon couldn't book this fatal four-way we're, we're talking about right now. No,
1: And Pat, you're so right, because I don't know if you saw this the other day. He was turning on me in the chat, trying to call me like an ownership hack. I, and I've been the one uh, lambasting them for for three years or two years. I mean, it was ridiculous. And, and Pat, you'll also agree with this. Luke was the last person to adopt the anti-ownership, anti thing. He was the last person. He, uh, you were on board fairly early after me. Derek eventually kind of got on board because he was, you know, looking at the numbers and they weren't making sense to him. Luke was the last one who was like, Oh, I still think Heim Bloom has a point. It took him forever. It took him forever. And now he's talking to us like he's Tony Maz. And like, 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 and like he's come up with this whole anti Red Sox stuff and, and that it was his idea. I mean, he's talking to me in the chat like, like I, I worked for Heim Bloom. And I'm, for two years, I was saying this whole time that ownership was, was, uh, bamboozling us. And they were telling us they were doing things and that there was no plan. They lied to us about a plan and that the plan was just to spend less. And he was like, no, no, this is all going to work. There's a vision here. He was the last guy to accept that there was no vision. And maybe, maybe he's, uh, you know, sometimes the most convert, the converted people are the most zealous. But what I think this is, and I think John will agree, this is him. He, he loves to lie. He, he loves to lie. He's, we call him lying Luke for a reason. We're calling him again Luke the Lemming. And here's his lemming action. Now that it's become trendy on Red Sox Twitter, now that Jared Karabas has said this and other people have said that, you can, that they're mad at ownership and that they're wrong and that things need to be done, well, then now it's okay for Luke to take that position, right? And attack you and I, Pat, for our nuances. Right, he continues to be the lemming because when it was cool to be a Heim Bloom guy, when that was cool, when all the uh, the statistics people on Twitter, all the sabermetrics guys were saying Heim Bloom's the best. Oh, you don't understand the mission here. the sustainability. How many times did I get sustainability thrown in my face by that man? An unsustainable amount of times. Right, that was cool. So he was the lemming. Right, so he was following the crowd. He's a sheep. He's a total sheep. And now that it's trendy, he's going to be anti-ownership. He's going to be anti-GM. He's going to be all of this and act like he invented it. Well, I, at least speaking for myself, have, have always had the same perspective on baseball. I've always had the same perspective on this, on this GM group. And when I do change my mind, it's after time and measured experience. I don't do it because oh, people on Twitter are saying this. So I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to jump on their bandwagon. He's a bandwagon, he's a, maybe he's a bandwagon fan, he's a bandwagon uh, opinion goer, he's a bandwagon opinions, and for him to talk to me in the chat, like I am weak and easy on ownership is insane. Like, I haven't been screaming for the last three years for them to do things when they haven't, and he hasn't sat across the table from me and spit in my face and told me to get over it and that there's a secret plan that needs to be trusted. He needs to be locked away for a long time. I think we should lock Luke away, lock him up, because he can't be trusted to make these baseball takes anymore. He's not a serious person. He's not a serious person. And John, you tell me about this. I think he's saving face because he's trying to go uh, all like he's trying to say all this stuff before we can get at him for saying that he defended ownership and time bloom this entire time, and he's using this opportunity to do that. But we're not going to let him do that. We're going to remind him where he stood. We're going to put him on trial at the baseball Hague. For the baseball crimes he committed, he's not getting. He's not.
2: He's not hiding at the embassy. He is, we're putting him on trial. He has really over the past couple of years since I've, we all kind of got together and were group, and watching Luke and Joey go at it. Joey it tells the truth. Whatever everything Joey just said was completely factual. Luke has been defending ownership, defending Heim Bloom. I mean, I get it's been and Joey has. On at ownership for years now about a team that this is a team that should be competing they're good enough to compete and for years like the whole rebuilding thing when you are one of the most the biggest market teams in baseball biggest you know probably one of the most loyal fan bases uh, you know i'm pretty sure they own nesson so like they're generating all that revenue like this is a very very wealthy team and what the Yankees kind of did was try to rebuild on the fly. Like Granted, it hasn't worked, but I just think the Red Sox are one of those teams that you can rebuild and compete at the same time. So the past couple of years, having to listen to Luke defend all this stuff, which is even driving me crazy. I'm not even a Red Sox fan. I want to see the Red Sox be bad, and I have to listen to this. Uh yeah, I'm excited for this. I really can't wait to see how this plays out. And Luke's god complex, which was really highlighted in this past Thursday show. I don't know if you guys uh listened to it yet, but we're, we we have the dare report and if Der- Derek interrupts Luke is going to punish Derek. So, you know, their previous recording didn't end up going up. There's something that went wrong. So, instead of just Luke saying, "Hey Derek, I'm going to just give you a pass." You know, you you know, you got lucky last week. Don't make any interruptions this week. No, looks like, I'm going to punish you anyway because your punishment wasn't made public and proceeded to read out the dare report, which, uh, it's funny on multiple levels. And, uh, yeah, so I'm excited for this. And like I said, uh, Pat, I'm glad you're calling Luke out. Joey, you are absolutely dead on with the way you described the situation.
0: I definitely. I, I don't want to give too much away before next week. Uh, I want to come in locked and loaded. I want to keep my cards close to my chest. But, but I will say this: I think many of us have over the past. I would say of, of the Breslow era, which has only existed in an off season, there have been no games played in the Breslow era, so it isn't really even an era yet. But we have kind of learned that. Oh, it wasn't really a Heim Bloom thing. Oh, it was an ownership thing. And we are trying to deal with this in our own way and kind of acknowledge the future of this team. And Luke is just unable to acknowledge that things aren't going to change, that it doesn't matter who is in that job, um, that ownership has decided to to do things the way that they want to do them. And, uh, and so we are, are no longer, to John's point, we are no longer um, a big market team. And uh, and I think Luke is
3: uh, holding on to the glory days, and so that's what we're going to hash out uh, next week. If if he's man enough to be here,
0: he's not. <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to say for anybody uh, who didn't just see, uh, both guys shook their head right when I said... <laughs>
1: um, Yeah, and he has this whole thing where he he still doesn't get the money thing. I don't think he still gets the point about money is that we've always talked about, Pat, is that if you're, a, and John, you know this too, as a Yankees fan, if you have lots of money, you're supposed to be able to keep a lot of your prospects and your assets because you could just buy the guys you need. You could just buy them with your money. And Luke doesn't seem to understand that concept at all. And apparently anyone who, who, who doesn't agree with him on trading all of the Red Sox top prospects for like, someone on the mariners who they're not going to give us anyway it, it I, I won't get into it more but but it's just it doesn't make sense it's not even a it's not even a top of the market attitude it's like a weird middle market below the team up but not blow the team up attitude that i I don't understand
0: we're gonna hash it all out uh next week hopefully hopefully um, what well, I'm sure will happen instead is uh, Luke will say that he can't come and they'll just talk about this on the midweek show and then they'll, they'll avoid us. Um, John, let's talk a little Yankees, shall we? Uh, I know you have some some Yankees rumors, I guess would be the word that you want to bring up. So uh, I want to hear what, what you've got going on over there.
2: So some people might have missed this, but it was I read it on the New York Post. Uh, I don't know if they're the ones that necessarily. Oh, well, they weren't the ones that broke the story. So we're a little Yankees news, not a lot of action. So we're going to get into a bit of drama. Uh, every we all know Aaron Hicks. We don't Yankees fans had had enough of Aaron Hicks, um, and there had been it was kind of a messy breakup. Aaron Hicks went at the fans, said the team didn't support him, whatever, whatever. Uh, so there's a report coming from AJ Przinski of all people. But a lot of times when a former player gives breaks news like this, a lot of times it turns out to be true. Um, apparently, what the real reason that the Yankees and Aaron Hicks's relationship soured was because the Yankees told Aaron Hicks to stop playing so much golf in the offseason. season. Aaron Hicks, repeat, just injury prone player, could not stay healthy to save his life. Uh. I we'd always known he was a big golfer. I guess he's been golfing nonstop in the off season. Plays in some kind of pro am tournament. The Yankees said enough already. You need to focus on baseball. And Aaron Hicks pretty much took a temper tantrum, and that's why he quit on the Yankees. Uh, if this is true, which like I said, it very well could be true. It's coming from uh, a former player, AJ Przeniński, which you know he he he's had his issues over the year. Uh, well. People dislike AJ, but uh, if this is true, this is just a complete disaster on for Aaron Hicks. I mean, what kind of person are you? You're getting paid by the team; it's your job to prepare. And if they're worried you're getting hurt, like yeah, golf isn't a high impact sport, but you're you know Aaron Hicks has wrist problems, hamstring problems, shoulder problems, like labor, like every possible injury that this guy could have had he had and those are a lot of the same muscles that you're using when you're playing golf so i think it's fair for the yankees to have said like knock it off and focus on baseball and it's not the first time this has happened either um with mark to towards the end of his yankee career started getting hurt every season Yankee said enough already. We know you're focused on your real estate holdings, your investments. We know you're not focusing on baseball like you used to. But you need to knock it off because we're paying you, and you need to like focus on baseball. This is what we're. That's what you're making all this money to do. You have all these opportunities because we're paying you. And Mark DeSher to, to his credit is like, you know what? You guys are absolutely right. That's my mistake. Uh, focused and for the most part, kind of. Re- his last um, two years with the Yankees weren't necessarily that bad. I know he kind of got benched at the end of 2016, but that was really to give the younger kids more playing time, like uh, Greg Bird and Stone Cold Tyler Austin. Um, the point being, this whole thing with uh, Aaron Hicks, he should have handled it better. One of the reasons he got his money was because the Yankees thought he would, could perform in a leadership role. He's supposed to be a good clubhouse guy. They want him to be a leader, and instead he just focused on himself And I have to give the Yankees credit because, again, if this is true, at any point the Yankees could have leaked this over the past couple of years. Like, look, we're telling this guy to stop playing in a golf tournament. Like, he won't listen to us. And the Yankees kept their mouths shut. They didn't slander the guy on the way out the door. There was no smear campaign, which, you know, your guys' team can uh, maybe learn from that. So there's no smear campaign with Aaron Hicks. They're like, all right, just get out of here. You know, we tried with you. And, um, yeah, I think the Yankees, for on their sake, handled it really well because they could have very easily thrown this guy under the bus and they're just like, no, we'll make it look like it's all us and it was just a bad deal. And it turns out they just gave a bad deal to a bad guy. So I'm um, so happy that Aaron Hicks is gone. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent right now. So this report's probably pretty damning and I doubt anybody's going to want him going into the next season. So his career might just be over.
0: Joey, we've decided uh, the Bleacher Brawls that
3: you're not allowed to play pickleball anymore. We think that it's been hurting your 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 uh, podcasting game. Well, that's okay because I don't play pickleball. I play tennis. <laughs> Damn.
1: pickleball. Uh, what do you think I am? It. I'm not there. You know, I am a bit of an athlete. You know, I mean, I, I can't I can't actually like move around a court. I don't have to play the 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 game for geriatrics.
0: <laughs> your thoughts on Aaron Hicks?
1: Reminds me of the David Price uh, hurting himself playing Fortnite thing. Or who, who hurt himself playing Guitar Hero? Someone else did that too. That, there's been a couple stories like that before. Yeah, someone hurt himself playing Guitar
3: Hero at once. Someone did. Um, it reminds me of that. Golf also, I have to imagine, screws your swing up.
1: If you're doing a golf swing all the time, change it to a baseball swing, I have to imagine that that screws with your timing. Yeah, you're getting paid millions of dollars by a baseball team, and they tell you to stop playing golf. You have you should stop playing golf. But I respect him for listen. I respect him for saying no and not lying about it. I'm saying I'm I'm not going to stop playing golf.
3: You could have said okay, I'll stop playing and then kept playing, right? But I, I don't know. I think uh, my opinion here. I think
0: number one, you have to take what AJ Piersinski says with a grain of salt. I think um, he's uh, he's become. Not that he wasn't always when he was playing, but especially in the past few years, his podcast and stuff, he's become quite the interesting character. Uh, but let's say more or less that this is true. Um, I, You know, we definitely see this um, when guys are injury-prone or guys are reckless. I mean, Hicks, obviously, more in the first category, or reckless or whatever, right? And, you know, the Padres have, have had to have told Fernando Tatis Jr., no more motorcycles, right? Like, this is uh, this is no good for you. Golf does not seem important enough to me to be like a relationship deal breaker. Um, golf, I, I hear what you're saying about like, yes, a lot of the mechanics of golf are um, issues that he's had with his own body o- over the years. And, um, you know, lots of guys have talked about golf swing, messing up your baseball swing, but it's, it's a low-impact sport. Um, it's it's a casual thing. It's primarily an off-season thing. It definitely just feels like maybe kind of scapegoating, like maybe the thing to represent the actual problem, which is that maybe both parties just never agreed on anything to begin with.
2: Yeah, you know what, the Yankees have kinda of had a history of that because they don't like their players playing in the world baseball classic. Um there there's been other issues. Like there you know, something happened with Severino last year where he maybe it was another world baseball classic issue where they're like, No, you're not pitching in it and he was all he was mad. So the Yankees do prefer to see um their players just focusing on baseball, which I think is fair. I don't think anybody else was going to pay Aaron Hicks that contract that the Yankees paid him. And, um, you know, they, the Yankees been burned by it before. I mean, we all we remember Aaron Boone decided instead of running, going out right for a jog one day, decided to play basketball, blows out his knee. And the Yankees get stuck with a for the next 13 years or whatever it was. So, um, we've seen it go sour before. Um, but yeah, I don't. Know. I I don't like Aaron Hicks, and I think that's like I knew I've known him for years. He's a big golfer, uh, and I just if the Yankees were telling him to knock it off, which I can see them doing, and him just not doing it was just to me that's such a bad guy move. I'm so glad he's gone.
3: I want to announce something for Pat. Bobby Dalbeck is engaged. How do you feel, Pat? <laughs>
0: Bobby Dobeg is going to play 115 games in a Boston Red Sox uniform next year. By the way.
1: <laughs> anyway. He's gonna be the DH.
0: He's still on the Red
3: Sox? Yes. <laughs> um
0: I wanna I wanna uh one final thing about Hicks. Um which this is this is really tangential, but it was originally supposed to be my first pitch that I've been planning for a couple of days, but between Luke's um, nonsense and, and being in my mentions on Twitter all the time and the Ravens game, it got pushed. But I do want to bring this up real quick. Um, around the city here the past couple of days, they've had what's called the Birdland Caravan, which is like Red Sox winter weekend. I don't know if the Yankees do like a fan festival kind of thing, um, but, but for the um, Baltimore Orioles, it's like, They go out into the community. They go to different restaurants. They go to different, like, local landmarks. You can go play top golf with the Orioles. You can go bowling with the Orioles. Like, they do kind of all these things around the city. And one thing that they did was that at a movie theater really close to us, they showed that this documentary that they made and they put on YouTube about them winning 101 games last year. And it, it ends right when the postseason ends, which I think is. Postseason starts rather, which I think is really funny. But, you know, it's this nice little thing about how um, they sucked forever and now they don't suck and what a miracle season it was, blah, 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 last year. And um, I-, I bring this up to say I'm watching this and-, and it gets to Aaron Hicks, you know, having sucked on the Yankees for years and then coming over and, and basically stepping right into Cedric Mullen's shoes for, for two or three weeks. And- Holding down the fort, and I'm watching this documentary and watching the amount of guys that stepped up for the Orioles last year. Aaron Hicks, Ryan O'Hearn, uh, Yenny Erkano. Um, uh, I'm sure there's another guy off the top of my head. I can't remember. And I- I'm just thinking to myself, oh, Adam Frazier to a certain degree. thinking to myself, the Orioles had a lot go right last year. And they won 101 games because a lot of guys – stepped up that you wouldn't expect at the end of the day, you're going to run out of Aaron Hicks's and you're going to run out of Ryan O'Hearn's and, and John, I bring this up to, to follow up on a point of ours from a couple of weeks ago of that. This Baltimore team is going to be worse this year. Um, because they had a lot of things break their way and they had a lot of luck and, and this well is going to run dry at some point. And, uh, I say all this to say, I think this is why the Yankees are going to win the division this year. <laughs> I think Baltimore is going to get worse. They didn't make any improvements. And uh, and uh, um, by getting rid of guys like Aaron Hicks, you've opened up some space for, for guys you really need. And uh, I'm the most optimistic person on this call um, for the Yankees somehow.
2: My optimism is growing, though, as we get closer towards the season. My biggest worry is kind of what I've been saying in the chat is starting pitching depth, and the Yankees don't really have any. So I would love to see them figure just go out and get Blake Snell, um, just add another arm to that rotation, another guy that can start. Uh, Because I think that's going to be like the big, big question mark. But I'm excited to see what this lineup can do with the additions of Juan Soto and Alex Verdugo.
0: We are at the halfway point of the show, and uh, last week, Joey's Prime 9 took up 20 minutes. So we will get to our next topic quickly, uh, which is we want to go over our uh, responses to to the Hall of Fame voting this week. The midweek crew addressed it um, right after the announcements were made. We wanted to hop on here. John, I know you wanted to talk about this. Uh, Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer all elected by... The baseball writers to the Hall of Fame. Um, your thoughts? Anything you want to bring up here?
2: So, I mean, congratulations to all those guys. I re- i realized that argument between myself and Luke got out of hand because I was defending Sheffield and knocking Beltray. But I—Beltray's a Hall of Famer. I don't—I wouldn't have voted him in on the first try. 95% is insane to me. Like when you think about it, that he got a higher vote total than a guy like Vladimir Guerrero. He got a higher vote total than Pedro Martinez. Like it just, it, it's stuff like that that boggles my mind. And that's why I think this whole system, which Joey mentioned earlier, and I agree, there's something seriously wrong with the Hall of Fame system and how guys are elected to the Hall of Fame. I don't think it should just be the writers because they clearly hold grudges. They keep people out that don't belong out. Um, you know, Jim Rice had to wait fifteen years to get in because the writers didn't like him. Um, you know, Sheffield I feel was pretty much penalized because the writers didn't like him. And I there needs to be changes. There needs to be there needs to be more of a say from former players and managers and executives because I just don't I the writers <sighs> It's just been years and years and years. The writers make it about themselves too, which I hate. It's just the whole process drives me crazy because this is supposed to be the Hall this is the Hall of Fame. This is supposed to be like just like the Mecca of baseball and it's an amazing place. I don't know if either of you guys have ever been. Like it's just such a cool trip. One amazing place to go. I'll we'll have to take a Bleacher Brawls field trip there one time. And Like, just walking through that plaque room, man. Like, everybody says it. Like, when I went as a kid, my mother could not understand that I just wanted to go in the plaque room and look at all the plaques. Like, she's like, that's so stupid. It's just a bunch of plaques. Like, who cares? Like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is the room. And any true baseball fan, like, if as cool as the Hall of Fame is, if you're a real baseball fan, that's your favorite room. Every person I've known that's gone to the Hall of Fame will tell you the plaque room is their favorite room. It's just... It's a different feeling. You're in this hall a hall of greatness. And the fact that there are great players that are held out for stupid reasons uh, because writers just want to make it about themselves, it drives me crazy. And I know Joey kind of mentioned it before. I know Pat's mentioned it in the past. I know you guys kind of agree that the writers are screwing this up. So I'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, or at least I know what you think. I'd love to hear you guys tell everybody what you think.
3: Show you what happened so if it's all right if i go i do not think that todd
1: helton should be a hall of famer obviously congratulations to him and all the other guys i wouldn't take it away from someone after they've already achieved it but to me
3: todd helton is not a hall of famer he played at course field never won an mvp he didn't have a
1: really long, significant peak. Todd Helton is not a guy you think of when you think of Hall of Fame. Joe Maurer. Uh, Joe Mauer did win MVP. Joe Mauer won batting titles as a catcher. I think that's all really impressive and unique. He's played with one team his whole career. I think Maurer gets in for me, just uh, the way catchers are. And Like, if Joe Maurer can't get in as a catcher, I don't really think any catchers can get in, pretty much, of this era. And Beltray should have gotten eighty five percent. It should have been ninety five percent. The fact that all of these writers want to have like a consensus now is ridiculous. You know, uh, Ted Williams didn't, wasn't unanimous. Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous. Uh, yeah, Beltray shouldn't be getting ninety eight percent of the vote. That's nuts. Clearly, we've let in too many bad Hall of Famers at this point, and it becomes kind of unfair because when you let in a guy like Harold Baines. Well, if someone's better than Harold Baines, how do you not let them in, right? It's a, it's a situation of fairness. So, yeah, the Hall of Fame has put itself in a very bad position. Personally, I think I would like the maybe the threshold to be
3: uh, raised. I don't know. We we have to get back to a small hall mindset. I mean, it's just it's just too much.
0: Um I I don't have a problem with any of these three guys. I think uh Um, Joey and I have hashed this out, um, Mauer versus Posey on this podcast before and off this podcast. So I won't get into it now, but I find it interesting that he's more definite for you than, um, Todd Helton, which the Helton thing, I mean, maybe if you just blindly looked at his numbers, you know, you just called him player a, and you didn't really, you know, you didn't know who he was and there was no context maybe you'd be like a little iffy he he kind of seems to fall just a little short of a lot of big sort of monumental numbers career numbers um however i do think context is important he is the greatest player in the history of that franchise um and i think that that matters to um i think just the sport i think there if there are no rockies in the hall of fame as much as i like to make fun of the rockies I don't think that that's any good for for fandoms or or um, you, know, uh, uh, you know I want Rocky's fans to be involved too you know and and I think um, if Mr. Rocky can't be there then then they're going to be screwed. Um, Maurer, I'm a little iffy on. The, uh, didn't catch a ton and and I mean, fantastic hitter, MVP obviously, but uh, some more dings there. I think is pretty much. I mean, I would have voted for Beltre. Um I think for me if you get 3000 hits I think that that's pretty much pretty much a done deal for me. Um I think that is sort of its own uh exclusive club that that um accepts or denies entry into the hall. I don't know. I, this the system is obviously complicated. And I watch guys like A-Rod and and Manny Ramirez hover in like the 40% because you got to get 75% to get in. Hover in like the 40%. And, you know, uh, I I know Joey in particular is is very strict on if a guy had any serious steroid uh, allegations or, or, you know, God forbid, proof, then then he's next, that's it. But I feel like, A-Rod was one of the greatest players of all time. Even without that, Manny Ramirez, um, one of the best just pure hitters we've ever seen. And so it's just kind of weird that the sport allowed itself to fall into this place where um, we are denying the people who were best at it. Um, I I mean, obviously, Pete Rose is another example. Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame because he bet on baseball, and now you can bet on the game inside of a ballpark. That's a complicated thing. I think the sport has just not al- allowed itself to, um, to be as uh, um, accepting as maybe it should.
2: Yes, Pat, you absolutely hit it. Cause I believe that, if Bud see the guy that turned a blind eye to the steroid use that we've both talked about before, this guy turned yeah. a blind eye to the steroid use, it's really his fault at any point he could have really made an issue to stop it, and they let him in the hall of fame like you can't keep these guys out of the hall of fame. I think it's just an excuse by the writers that are trying to act like gatekeepers like they're they're oh they're upholding the integrity of baseball. baseball's never had integrity like let's be honest here. In the early days of baseball, through like the Black Sox scandal, you had gambling was reg- a regular thing in baseball. They were regularly throwing games. That's why there was that rule that eventually affected Pete Rose is because, and not only that, uh, I guess, you know, I've read this. I don't know. I wasn't alive during the time, but it was okay to bet on your team because like, well, you're just trying to make extra money and you're going to try to win. So if you bet on your own team, you wouldn't even get in trouble for it. Um, So gambling was a part of baseball through the. Uh, 1920s because the black Sox scandal didn't actually stop um gambling and throwing games at that time but it was the beginning of the end then you had segregation for you know and through then you could say jackie robinson integrated the game in 1947 right 48 i think 47 uh but like how long was it really before the game was really integrated like you're looking into the 60s and 70s before it was really like it wasn't you know integration again took some time so you're now you're like into the sixties, We'll say, as far as baseball really being integrated into the game, what happens in the sixties and seventies? That's when steroids actually start, like people don't know that, but that's when and uh pet pills like you know, players taking greenies players taking speed um you had cocaine in the eighties, I mean, I'm sure that makes you a better player, so baseball's never really had any kind of integrity, so for to hold a bunch of guys out. From that era, and like these with steroids or not, they're some of the best players of all time. It's just, it's not for the writers to make that decision. And that's why I think you need players uh, in the players and owner or players and managers or former players and former managers in that room making the case for these guys saying, No, like you, a writer, like I see your point to the writers, but you just there's more to it than what you see. You're, you're taking the wrong stance and uh, Sheffield actually brought up a good point about how he should have had multiple teams really campaigning for him. And I thought that was a fair point. Um, You don't really see that too often uh, in baseball where you have former teams like campaigning for their former players, making a push like this guy needs to get in. And I think that's a weird thing too, because I think, Especially in today 's game, where players bounce around so much, I think that would actually be a pretty cool thing to do if uh teams made that push. but you know, there's my two cents on it all. more like forty cents because that took a while
0: <laughs> no that's fine. I think um you know we definitely do this every year where we we talk you know sometimes we do ballots ahead of time, we talk about who, who's gotten in, we say that change needs to happen, and it just never does and, and, and might not it's definitely a uh, um a system that uh, is full of holes and 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 leaves a lot of people out. I think, um, Joey, let's go to you. Uh, last week we did your prime nine, your top nine first basemen of all time. Um, the list was uh, not terrible. Uh, I think some notable exclusions, but uh, uh, it could have been better. So I'm excited to hear your second base list, just like last week. I think John and I are just going to kind of guess what your top nine list is,
3: and then uh, and then you can tell us if we're right or wrong.
2: Did we lose Joey right before the segment?
3: Oh no! Oh no! (laughs) Yes. So I've compiled my. uh,
0: (laughs) Well, I'll say this: I'll try and I'll try and uh, I'll waste some time while while he's to get back in. So I've
1: compiled my top nine second baseman list
0: last week was second base is a really interesting position because for a lot of guys, um, they would be shortstops if they were better. They're not a whole lot of career second basemen in a good way. Um And, you know, I, I said last week, like, you know, the, the 39th best shortstop of all time might be a top nine second baseman. Um, I, I mean, obviously, that's putting a lot of weight on, on defense, but uh, that's what we're talking about here. We're, we're splitting them up into defensive positions. Um, And so how would they have become a second baseman to begin with? Um, I think it's a part of the conversation. Joey has, okay, he's left. So maybe he's trying to get back in.
2: Yeah. Hopefully we have Joey, but yeah, I, that is kind of the thing. When you start looking at second baseman, you're like, well, It's an okay, you know, there's an okay list of all-time second basemen, but I'm really curious to see how this is all going to play out. So it looks like Joey's signing back on. Um, So I can't wait to get into this. Um, While we're waiting for Joey, Pat, what's going to be your first? Oh, do we have Joey?
3: Oh, no.
0: It says, ask them to refresh and re-enter the studio. All right, he's doing that himself.
2: All right. So well, while we're waiting, who's gonna be? Oh, here he comes again. My, I think my pick. And I don't know. Do you want to give your pick first? We'll talk about this while we're waiting for Joey to come on, and then we'll find out if he's right or if we're right.
0: sure. Well, uh, for like his number one.
2: Yeah. Who's gonna be? Yeah. Your last
0: pick? week. Last week I tried to. Um, you you can't say what you actually think it should be. You gotta guess what Joey's gonna think. Um, and so I think what Joey's gonna do because he he tends to tends to go old school, is I'm thinking he's going to go Roger Hornsby.
2: See, yeah, that's that's a good point. I forgot, I didn't think about how Joey likes to go old school. I was going to guess Jackie Robinson, because that usually seems to be the consensus answer, but I mean, we're still waiting for Joey to come on, so.
0: I think he's, he's about to get a last call, and maybe we'll, we'll just end up teasing next week's conversation. Oh, here he is. Right. Back. Oh, back?
3: you're back!
0: Okay, so we've been talking about this because we didn't want to waste time while you were in Am and out. Am I back? Can you hear oh, us? Oh,
3: no. Delayed. Oh, no. <laughs> Joey, are you here? <laughs> it's delayed. Turn on, it's, try turning it's, off your it's camera. Worst,
1: worst possible thing for the I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I can hear you guys.
0: Okay, you can hear us. So Here's what I'll say. We were right, trying to set this up. Uh-oh. We were trying to set this up while you were gone, and we made our our initial predictions. John said Jackie Robinson, and I, trying to read your mind, guessed Rogers Hornsby. So uh, what is uh, your number one pick?
3: My number one pick (laughs) was the last guy to pick, the last guy to
1: hit 400 before Ted Williams Rogers Hornsby, he, one one year he hit 420. Uh, he's the all-time leader in second baseman for war. He's the best-hitting second
3: baseman of all time. To me, that was a no-brainer.
2: All right. Well, I guess no if we're going to be guessing second. can I don't, I don't want to just guess Jackie Robinson again a second time, Though I think he would be second. I'll go old school again because it's Joey, and we'll go Charlie Gehringer. Gehringer.
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna try and go like pure stat based and I'm gonna go Rod Carew. Are you with us, Joey? My second pick
1: was my second pick was Eddie Collins, someone neither of you had. Guest. uh He is the second time, uh, all time leader in Warford second base. He played in the 20s, 30s, 40s, that sort of era. Great second baseman, racked up a lot of counting stats. I believe he hit 3,000 hits. I don't have his stats in front of me right now, but Eddie Collins, I don't know if you guys want to look into him and maybe <laughs> right. give your
3: thoughts so on him. What are we doing? I'm I think we to really, we're really be
0: undervalued doing the uh, player. Week? They don't talk is about very much, but looks? to me, he was the second greatest. Second <laughs> I player. think so. Yeah, I think so. Joy, this is well, your last call. Are you with us? All right, we'll, that's it.
2: Yeah, we'll get to Joey's segment earlier in the night when his dorm has Wi-Fi, and we'll open
0: uh, it. we'll uh well
2: next well, week we're trying to, do, well, I mean, me trying to I mean
0: we're talking short for the brawl anyway, so it doesn't matter. But at the very least, we know right now his list. We've got uh Rogers Hornsby, and we've got um, Eddie Collins. So maybe we will get someone who has a color photograph on their baseball reference page um, <laughs> throughout the rest of his list.
2: Is um, Ed Collins like third or fourth all no all time hit oh no thirty three hundred. You guys still on hear me? I thought Ed Ed he Collins
0: like- has a hundred and twenty-four point four career b war, which is insane. Uh, seven hundred and forty-one career stolen bases.
3: <laughs>
0: so I mean, you look at some of these guys from like the the early early uh twentieth century and you just think like there were just like nine guys running amuck
3: on the entire league.
0: <laughs> um all right. Well, John, I guess I I guess that's it. The uh the uh, Lions 49ers game just ended in front of me. 49ers win. Um so it will be a San Francisco, Kansas City Super Bowl. Um we might not be able to talk about it. Uh if we do end up having a brawl next week. We might. I don't know how we're going to handle a show on Super Bowl. Hey, can guys hear me? No, we cannot hear you. Can
1: you guys shut your cameras off? I think that would help too, to be honest.
0: <laughs> we've decided we're going to push it. We think it's too risky. I'm here. I'm here. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, this is let's the do last,
1: it. Let's do it. This is the last call. The last call. Okay. So who's your number three? My number three after Eddie Collins, White Sox legend, is uh, – Joe Morgan.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think Joe Morgan was going to be my next guest.
2: Okay. Well, then I'm guessing Jackie Robinson again, because I don't know how we haven't gotten to this point without Jackie Robinson. He's got to be number four.
0: I'm going Rod
1: Carew, four.
2: Uh, Jackie
1: Robinson was my four. Um, rookie of the year, MVP. You know, he just doesn't have a lot of the counting stats, obviously. But I put Jackie Robinson at four after Joe Morgan. Joe Morgan is just so good for so long and he's such like the prototypical second baseman. When you think of a second baseman, you think of Joe Morgan. So
0: Alright. I'm I'm going Carew Five, I'm sticking to my guns.
2: I'm gonna say Nap Naplajoy or Naplahoy. I don't know how you pronounce that, but I don't know he's an all old time baseball player, like you know, probably thirty two hundred hits it looks like. So I think that might been four twenty six one season. My God. Uh, I'm expecting Joey to have him on his list.
1: Naplejoy, that's that's an ace for John. He got it. And Naplejoy was once involved in a uh, batting title race with Ty Cobb. The reward was a was a motor car. Uh, you know, it was I'm assuming a fancy one for the time. The winner of the batting title would get a car, and I believe Naplejoy won that. Uh, but it, but it was like very close statistically. But yeah, Naplejoy Napoleon is his full name. Not a guy they talk about much, but, I mean, unbelievable hitter. Unbelievable hitter. You know, second baseman, it's hard to find great hitters, and it seems like all of the great hitting second basemen were in their early half of the 20th century.
3: So is this six that we're at right now, six? Yeah, we're guessing six. Okay, are yeah, guessing six.
0: Okay, I just, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up until it happens. Rod Carew.
2: Um, I'll throw Roberto Alomar out there. He was a tremendous second baseman until he went to the Mets and threw away his career like so many other people have done. Uh, so I'll guess Roberto Alomar. Number six was
1: Rod Carew. Uh, I think a lot of people know who he is. Uh, Rod Carew went down the list, pad, and I'll explain why. He just played a lot of first base. Like, if I would ask my father about Rod Carew, my father would remember Rod Carew as a first baseman. That's what he saw him play. So that is what drilled him down. But yes, Rod Carew, obviously an excellent hitter, excellent hitter, won many batting titles, Hall
3: of Famer. But he was lower on the list just because of the amount of time he played at first base. Uh, we're guessing seven now.
0: And John, you can take this one first.
2: I'll go, I'll go back to Charlie Gehringer again. He's an old-time guy. Joey seems to like those guys. So is it Garinger? Does Pat? Kind of have a guess.
3: Uh, uh, I'm I'm thinking
0: Ryan Sandberg. Uh, I'm trying to go just a little bit more modern here, so I'm going Sandberg.
1: It was Sandberg, Ryan Sandberg, <laughs> '80s guy, MVP, I believe. Uh, it was been a while since I made these lists, but Sandberg, yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's one of the newest guys on this list. There is. Uh, I'll give you guys a hint. There is one guy from the 21st century on the list. And is uh, yet to arrive, but there is only one. Yeah.
0: Hey, Sandberg
2: to... was a really good player, too. Like, I remember he, I really liked him. My baseball glove as a kid was a Ryan Sandberg glove. Uh, and he had some really good years. One year, he had 19 triples, it looks like. Batted over 300 a bunch of times. Uh, 40 home run season in 1990. I remember that. Um, yeah, Sandberg was a really – a guy a lot of people don't think about it anymore, but he was a really good player. Oh, so yeah. get, sorry. I had to go off and talk about Sandberg. I'm going to make my next guess. Um, we'll say Roberto Alomar because you mentioned a. I'll mention bring him up again. And you said there's one 21st century guy.
0: I think I think your one modern guy is going to be in the nine hole. So I'm going to say my last guess. So I'm going to say uh, Frankie Frisch is your number eight guy.
1: No, it's John's favorite Astro, Jose Altuve. Put Altuve oh, in at eight. Oh, Altuve was my guess for nine. Yeah, I'll put Altuve in. Yeah, I expect him to be a Hall of Famer. He's won an MVP at second base, which he was the, the last guy to do that was Pedroia before Altuve, who did not Pedroia did not make this list. Although I would have loved to put him on it. Altuve, the face of the Astros, the face of all those World Series teams. Great hitter, MVP talent. It, it 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 would be hard for me to keep him off this list even with my more uh generational biases.
2: Yeah. I was never gonna guess him and I didn't even bother putting him on my list of potential guesses because even if he was on your list, I wasn't gonna give him the credit to uh guess his name anyway. I hate him.
0: Yeah, I that. think I think the um the asterisk next to his name was Will was, well, was gonna put him at nine, but um No, I agree. I think you 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 take scandal out of it, and um, that guy deliver. I mean, the postseason he had this this postseason was just unreal. The guy just always always delivers. So Um, number nine, nine.
3: could
2: that be? Well, I'll guess Craig Biggio. Yeah, I know he had three thousand hits, a bit of a compiler, but uh, a decent player. Since we're on the Astros anyway.
0: I'm just trying to pull some old timey guys MVP, four time World Series champion. I'm it's going to be Frank- something weird. I'm, I'm slightly- going Frankie Fresh one more time for my number nine.
1: For number nine, I, I couldn't keep him off the list. Uh, contemporary of Ted Williams, played on the same team as him. I believe played on the same team as Jimmy Fox as well. I think there was this. I think there, there, uh two, three, and four were at one point. Bobby Doer, Ted Williams, and Jimmy Fox. Uh, I put Bobby Dore on the list, Red Sox Hall of Famer. Great second baseman, just a fantastic, great hitter, great second baseman. Maybe there are some people that could be viewed as more deserving, but uh, I'm a homer and I put him on the list.
0: <laughs> An unashamed homer. Um, Yeah, only made it in to the Hall of Fame uh, on the Veterans Committee vote. Did not make it in in... Uh, in uh the
1: election which i find interesting yeah but if if he were up today he would win with 85 percent of the vote because no
0: i know i'm just saying that that's crazy like uh guys like that used to have to rely on the veterans committee
1: yeah i mean dimaggio didn't get into like the fourth ballot scrub (laughs) (laughs) yeah i you
0: know great player obviously you know homer i get it I, i guess i should have thought about that um I
3: don't know about nine, but you know, if if we're if we're saying nine is essentially an honorable mention, I'll, I'll take it. I think the list was good. I think I had a solid list, guys. I don't know how much you can really argue with. I,
0: I it's yeah, I don't I don't have any problems with it. I think uh, maybe move some guys around, but uh, a much better list than last week.
2: I am a little surprised about the Roberto Alomar not being on the list. That surprised me a little bit.
3: Dude, I do not like Roberto Alomar. I really don't like him, just personally. Just
0: personally. He, like, uh, he scratched up my car one time. Guy's kind of a jerk. Um, okay, Joey, let's say that Luke um, does not show his face on this podcast next week. Uh, what list are you going to bring us? So you keep going around the diamond. Are we going to shortstop?
1: We can go to shortstop. Uh, shortstop. I have that list completed. Shortstop's a pretty funky position. Uh, there's going to be some old timey guys on there that uh, I've barely heard of, but uh, you know, not a ton of great hitters from shortstop. So yeah. Okay, so the very least
0: the next time we do this, uh, uh it will be shortstops, um. I, wanted to, I was trying to bring this up, Joey, when you were in and out. I didn't know if we were wrapping the show or not. So I, I will rapid fire you two real quick uh, before we leave. We've got a San Francisco, Kansas City Super Bowl. If we have a brawl next week, I don't know what we're going to do show-wise in Super Bowl Sunday. We haven't figured that out yet. So we might not chat about this again. So rapid fire, uh, uh, immediate reactions. Who's winning the Super Bowl, Kansas City or San Francisco? John, you go first.
2: I'm sticking with I said earlier in the show. I think it's Kansas City. Uh, and Pat- Patrick Mahomes is just such a better player than Brock Purdy. Uh, a- Mahomes can win you a game uh, a lot. Mahomes has the ability to win a game, um, put a team on his back and win a game better than Brock Purdy. So I'm going Chiefs. I'm sticking with that prediction.
3: Joey? Yeah, we'll be the Chiefs. The NFL will do anything they can to make make the Chiefs win. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm also Chiefs. I think uh, Brock Purdy's a, a great system quarterback, but that's not what's going to matter um, in the biggest game uh, of of his life. Um, it, you need guys like Patrick Mahomes to take over, and I think that that's what's going to happen um, again. Um, all right, still all this nonsense. In and out connections. Uh, a quick detour to to talk about the Orioles. A quick detour to to call out Luke. We still managed to get it under sixty minutes because that is the Sunday night show for you. Um, Real quick, folks, all the places you can find us, our website, BleacherBrawls.com. In about a month, we're going back to stuff five days a week. So you want to get in the habit now of checking out the website, seeing what we have over there. So when the season starts, um, we are going to be filled with stuff. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on TikTok. Our main social media hub is Twitter. You can find all of our Twitter pages in the description of this episode um this podcast you rated us five stars you've left us a nice review we appreciate that you hit that subscribe button so when we do drop episodes um they come directly to your phone and you see the notification thanks guys for hanging with us through all the internet issues and all the football talk we will see you at the very least for the midweek show the midweek crew will be here uh, and then we'll see what kind of show we have for you next week maybe perhaps one of our iconic
3: bleacher brawls we will see you then folks All right, folks, that's the latest episode of
0: Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.